why is this so hard to pin down? Is the economy doing really well, slightly well? Is it heading toward recession? What are, what are central bankers and economists saying about the situation and what they're going to do? Because as we all know, it's monetary policies, interest rates, and everything else seem to be the most important variable in deciding all of these things. But what if interest rate policies aren't really all that important? Then we're left with this muddle of economic data. Now, what do I mean by all of this? Well, I'm going to bring in here Stephen Van Meter, and we're going to talk about a lot of things, a lot of things about how difficult it is to really decide what's going on right now and what that means for the future because there are so much there's so much information it's sometimes it's almost like we're in information overload we've got data that that looks like it's doing one thing you've got economic accounts that seem to be doing another thing central bankers who were all told to rely on seem to be going in one direction then all of a sudden they start moving in another direction it gets very confusing very quickly doesn't it steve Considering all the stuff, I mean, this week was particularly eventful, right? We had three central banks doing things. We've had major economic data releases and hoping that, I was hoping anyway, that this week would clear things up. But it seems maybe even more that uh, instead we got even more confusing by the end of the week than from, from the beginning. Yeah, you're right, Jeff, because if you, if you would have stopped at market close on Thursday, and said, let's look at all the data, right? What do we know? Central bankers around the world are suddenly, we won't say dovish, but they're backing off their hawkish rhetoric in a pretty big way. Now, I know people say, well, wait a minute, they just did a quarter percent hike. That's different than the, you know, the 75 basis points they did. That's not the point. The point is they back, they're backing off and they're sounding, you know, I want to say somewhat dovish, but they're trying not to be. What are we hearing in earnings? Corporate CEOs are saying, "Hey, look, we're we're starting to prepare for a you know second half slowdown here. We think it's coming. We're going to trim some staff. You know, we're going to cut expenses." What are you hearing from economists? Oh, yeah, virtually universal agreement. Yep, there's going to be a recession uh, toward the end of the year. You look at the survey data, and it says, "Yes, this is all true." But yeah, we agree that the, the, the economy is slowing down. You look at the yield curves, the Eurodollar futures curve. What is it saying? Yes. By all God, we are going to have a recession. And then what do you get Friday morning that throws on massive wrench into this that we, that Jeff, I want to, I want to mention, I want people to understand Powell knew about this number. Now he may not have known the exact number, but he had a pretty darn good idea and he held his cards close to the chest because he could have said, Hey, you know what? We think the, the labor market's way better than anyone thinks, which would have been a tell to the Friday report. He could have done it and, and made up all kinds of other statistics that he could have pulled out and said, look at this, look at that. And everything's going to be fine. We need to do a big hike here. And he didn't do it. And what did we get Friday morning? Literally a shocker. We not, not even close to the estimates. What, 513,000 payroll report? I mean, blasted a double what the consensus was. And all of a sudden, it, it changes the view. Are we having a recession or not? I think it's interesting because you're right. Powell, the administration, politicians, they have an insight into at least how the data is going. You got to believe that uh, phone calls were made over to the BLS because the stakes here are enormous. And what the BLS probably told Jay Powell is things are looking pretty good because by then 
they had already put the uh, the data into its close to its final format. So he probably would have had at least some idea of what the number was. But interesting enough, Steve, what he said was, we can now say, I think, for the first time that the disinflationary process has started. We can see that. And we see it really in good prices so far. And remember how the Fed actually believes inflation works. Well, they don't believe it. They don't have any other options to really uh, pull apart the inflation story. They think it's all about the labor market, right? Tightness in the labor market contributes to inflation. So I think that what Jay Powell and the FOMC, for whatever this means or whatever this is worth, knowing that the Friday payroll report was probably going to be better than much better than expected, they still, as you said, they didn't go completely dovish, but monetary and interest rate policies are like the Titanic or any large ocean going ship. You can't turn it on a dime. They have to take a long, prolonged swing around. And the way that begins is by saying, we were ultra hawkish. Now we're a little bit less hawkish. Then we're a little bit less hawkish. Then we've stopped being hawkish. And then other things happen. So if you remember back in December, Jay Powell was ultra uber hawkish. Now he comes out and says, what we can now say, I think for the first time the disinflationary process has started, that ship is beginning to turn toward what we both know is inevitably the rate cuts down the road. So I look at the Friday payroll report pretty much the same way the FOMC did and said, there is something else going on in it. But back to our central theme here, the payroll report comes along and it throws a wrench into what maybe the public is thinking because the public can get this, it probably has the sense that the economy is slowing down. And then this massive 517,000, whatever the hell it was, number comes out and it makes it look like everything's fine and good. Yeah. And I want to use a phrase from an old high school teacher. He says, it's like a self-licking ice cream cone. Now, what do I mean by this is I want yeah, to what do you mean by that? <laughs> think about this from the ec economic standpoint. If everybody starts to believe a recession is coming, they're going to start behaving like a recession is coming. And that's simple. I'm going to cut back my spending. I'm going to cut back on things and companies are going to cut back. Everyone's going to start saying, hey, you know what? We buy into this. And so all of a sudden you have this one and maybe it's an anomaly, Jeff. Maybe next month we'll see a negative print that will average out to where we probably guessed it would be, maybe closer to the ADP number, maybe closer to the uh, household survey when we adjust for the population control. Maybe it will just average itself out. But I think what's coming, and I want to get your opinion on this, because my view here is we're going to see what looks like a soft landing in the economy. Now, I'm not suggesting it will be. I'm just going to say it's going to look like one, talk like one, act like one. And there's going to be this moment where policymakers, maybe even Jay Powell gets out and say, hey, look, we did it. The question that I want to answer, I want to get your opinion on, because I think once that's over, and I don't think it lasts a whole long time, that then we face a cliff, the economy then decelerates further from there. And that's the that's what we're seeing, in, at least in the yield curves and the other data saying, hey, look, you can have these big payroll numbers all you want. But look, all these other things are not confirming, suggesting that maybe, just maybe, things are way worse than we think. That's where, I mean, that's really the problem here is that what does a soft landing actually look like? What does a recession look like? 
we have all of these ideas in our head and I don't think we, in reality, it doesn't look like what we think it looks like. Either one, what does a soft landing look like? Does it look like the, like the establishment survey had up until this month where it just kind of gently nudges down a little bit lower, lower, lower. And then all of a sudden you arrive in, in the perfect position where the payrolls grow at 200,000 every month and CPIs come down and it's all hunky-dory and everything is great. That's not how it works, nor does a recession. A recession kind of looks like a soft landing until it doesn't, right? Because a recession starts out with expansion and then it starts to slow down and roll over and roll over. And just when you think it's hitting the soft landing, it falls off the cliff. So we have to ask ourselves that beginning question. If we're in a soft landing, or if we're in a recession, how would we know which one is which? Because if we're in a soft landing, it might also look like the beginning of a recession. And if we're heading toward a recession, it will likely look like a soft landing until the moment it's no longer soft. So that's where we are right now. I think the consensus is we have moved out of expansion. We're not in the same expansion. Whatever you think of that expansion before, we're into something else, but what is that something else? And this is where the data is supposed to help us. And this is where you're right, Steve, the payroll report was so unhelpful because it went in the other opposite direction. It wasn't even soft landing, forget recession. It was just, this economy's booming again, which in a way, my opinion, that actually is helpful because it's almost like it's self-canceling. It's saying this is so good, it's too good to be true. This is way, way too good. It fits with absolutely nothing else, including the ADP report, including the household survey. So we can pretty much ignore this payroll number because it is it is so out of line with everything else. So we're back with the original question, though. How do we know the difference between recession and soft landing? And the payroll report didn't help. You know, I, I want to add a parallel comparison here for you, Jeff, because when you listen to the press conference, one of the very first questions, and you knew this was coming. Like, I mean, if, if Powell knew they were going to ask him about financial conditions easing, I mean, I don't know if it was a softball pitch, but you, you knew somebody was going to hammer him on the fact that, hey, uh, we're calling you out because you claim that what you do is supposed to tighten financial conditions, and yet somehow, mysteriously, they're easing. So let's compare this to the payroll report, because what did he say? He said very clearly, well, we recognize that, but we look at them over a much longer period. And over that period, well, we don't see any sort of easing at all. And we can look at, I think you just said that, hey, taking into context one month, this payroll report is huge. It's massive. It tells us the economy's on fire. Stretch it out long enough. And if we may be over the next couple of months, it will just smooth out and actually look like nothing. But we don't know that yet. I think we do have a good idea about that, though, because if you remember back last July, we also had a plus 500,000 payroll report. And nobody remembers that because, like now, it quickly disappeared. It was nothing. It was a statistical aberration. And it proved to be nothing more than that. But, you know, you mentioned something there, Steve, that I, you know, we talk about the yield curve. You and I talk about the yield curve. We, we look at the yield curve and Eurolab futures and money curves in general because we think they're incredibly helpful. And economists don't. They look at most curves and say that's a bunch of emotion. That's too much supply and demand factors for our taste. But we do look at this one teensy little slice of the yield curve we call the near-term forward spread. 
And the near-term forward spread is all about money rates, which is supposedly what the Fed does. It's basically compares the three-month rate today to what the market believes the three-month rate will be six quarters ahead or 18 months ahead. And the near-term forward spread, Jay Powell said last year, is what we look at. We don't get concerned until that one starts to make noises. And sure enough, the near-term forward spread inverted in November. And not just any day in November, it inverted on the day the October CPI came out, which kicked off this disinflationary trend that Jay Powell just talked about at the FOMC. But here's, the, here's what I'm, my point here, my long-winded point as usual. The near-term forward spread was modestly inverted since November until right around the first or second week of January. Then it plummeted. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, Steve. Do you think that had any any role whatsoever at the FOMC meeting this week with how much their tone has shifted from ultra hawkish to noticeably less hawkish? Are they actually looking at the near-term forward spread and thinking, uh-oh, oh God, this is not good? Yeah, I think they are. There's, there's, there's no question because... I mean, if you just take the payroll report at its face value and we go back to several meetings and listen to what Powell has been saying is, hey, if payrolls are strong, if wages are up, then we have a problem. We have this wage price spiral. I mean, we've heard this ad nauseum over and over. Oh, we're so afraid of wage price spiral and inflation that if he knew, which we know he did, that this number was going to be hot that he would have come up with some excuse to be like, hey, I know the market said 25, but hey, we think the labor market is actually way better than you all think. Let's go 50 or maybe 75 because we need to tone it down. The payroll report would have hit and bam, everyone would have been like, wow, man, they were right on the money. So why would you change your rhetoric if you knew this payroll report was coming? Because like you said, Jeff, they probably know it's a statistical anomaly as well. If it's not, okay, well, then it may not be. But the odds, the probabilities, as you said in the curves, are saying, no, it doesn't matter what the payroll report is. It could be 20 billion people hired. It doesn't matter because financial conditions, not from the market perspective, but from money curves, are telling us that things are going the wrong way and not just going the wrong way. They're not getting better. There's no sign in any of the curves that say, hey, you know what, maybe this is actually the bottom and that perhaps there is a soft landing here or something better coming. They're all saying the same thing. You know, doom is coming and get ready for it. Yeah. I th if, you're, if the question is, going back to the original premise, what is the, what does a soft landing look like that's different from what a recession looks like? It is the inversion in the curves. Because a soft landing in the yield curve would look like what Jay Powell actually said at his press conference. Remember what he said? Give me a second. I'll pull it up here. Um, Given our outlook, I don't see us cutting rates this year if, that, if our outlook comes true. So even though he got less hawkish, he also said, no, no, no. There are no rate cuts in the plans whatsoever. And if we were, if we were going to experience a soft landing, he would be right. There would be no need whatsoever to cut rates because the economy would glide gently into its downshifted stable equilibrium and it would weather these hardship 4% interest rates easily, right? So if we were looking at the difference between recession and soft landing, the difference is right in front of us in the near-term forward spread, which suggests, Powell, your outlook on this year is wrong. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's great about this, because 
all the Fed has to do is continue to act like, well, the economy is in an uncertain place. And boy, you know, when we look at this, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of confusion. Because if you listen to Fed speak, they, Jeff, you know, and, and we're, we're, I'm not saying anything that you and I haven't discussed. The Fed knows they have no control over this thing. None, none whatsoever. But they have to keep us confused that they do know. And so how do you do that? You go around saying things like, yeah, well, there's a lot of economic uncertainty and, you know, we're not really sure, but uh, we're going to throttle this back down a little bit just in case we're wrong. And then if they are wrong, then they're going to turn back and say, oh, look, hey, we did. We said that there was a bunch of uncertainty. And well, so here we have to cut rates. But what's baffling to me, Jeff, and I'm going to, you know what, let's go full on pick on the Fed here. How can you have more PhD economists than anyone else in the world on your payroll and say everything's uncertain? Isn't there a level at some point that they should be, you know what, we're not uncertain. We're actually fairly confident because we've crunched a bazillion numbers from all these people that are super smart. And yet they act like they're just an elementary school class of kids who are just picking numbers and throwing them at the board. Yeah, they are unwilling to make relatively um, solid statements, right? Um, and it's not just them. Look at corporations, management. What is the buzzword of all these earnings reports? Economic uncertainty. That's no economic uncertainty is a euphemism. We all know what the euphemism is. It's about this. This sucker looks not good. We're hoping it gets better, but hope is not an actual policy strategy, nor is it a a relatively solid and scientific theory, is it? I mean, we're just fingers crossed policy. That's that's what really policy is. So, yeah, I. I Economic uncertainty is only uncertain. And that's, again, our, our theme here today. The payroll report added to the uncertainty, I think, unnecessarily, especially since it was such a bigger outlier. And most people are not going to treat it like you and I and look at that and say, that's just too ridiculous to even take seriously. So it adds to the level of uncertainty, which a lot, which expands this economic gray area so that when it does happen, the difference between recession and soft landing, people are going to go, well, this was unexpected. We weren't expecting this because all we were expecting was uncertainty, right? <laughs> it's just, just <laughs> right. And so I think that's kind of one of my points earlier was we we may be in the beginning or part of the so-called soft landing right now, where it's like, okay, uh, we're we're trimming some payrolls here, we're making some cutbacks here, but but nothing significant because nothing significant is happening. We're just being careful and we're looking at our bottom line. The question then becomes, as you said, Jeff, the economy is a slow moving ship. It doesn't move very quickly is what happens over the next couple of months. Does demand come back? Does the Fed pivot? I mean, or do the curves actually now say, hey, we had this right for a long time and now you're going to see it? That's what we don't know. Now, we can say with a reasonable probability that we think that's going to happen. But again, anything can change here. If you start seeing some, we see some big payroll numbers, another half million, another half million. Well, then obviously the curves are wrong and we should see the curves switch to that. But for the moment, I think we're in the middle of soft landing headed to the next leg down. Yeah, that's the soft landing as the, the first step toward contraction. And again, while you're in the soft landing, you don't know there's any there's, you don't notice that there's any difference whatsoever. And I think that's really the problem. So thank you to the BLS. Thank you to Mr. Stephen Van Meter. We'll see you again next week. Hi, right, thanks, Jeff. All right, take care.